If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT at KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your quips and tips and ideas about money, growing money, saving money, spending money, investing money. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about your parents. Now, I got to tell you, at this stage in my life, my dad's been gone for about 10 years, and my mom is 85 years old, and things are starting to change. And while they're changing, my sisters and I are trying to like punt and figure it out on the run. And it's made me realize that as much as I know about people and their money, and I have spent my career working with people and their money and working with parents and kids about their parents and kids about their kids and helping people figure out how to make the most of it and take care of the people that they love. When you mix in the emotion of the fact that it's your own parents, I got to admit, some of the stuff I thought I just had, I wasn't that sure about. So what I'll say to you is that I'm bringing this show to you because I'm going through this right now. And most of you will go through this at some time in your life. So if you're interested in thinking about how it is you help your parents as they get older, what they need, I've kind of broken it down into four categories. I'm going to talk about housing, care, money management, and estate meaning, you know, managing their estate planning and then tricks about things like, you know, arguing with your siblings and the rest. So stay with me through the break. I hope you enjoy this show. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. So what brought this about is recently mom's health has changed in that she's having some problems remembering things. And she's a little bit more confused than she used to be. And this is kind of picking up steam over the last year. Now, you got to know, I'm a really wildly independent woman. And I am my mother's daughter. She is a wildly independent woman, too. Not that she wasn't a great mother and a great and a great wife. But my mother has always been very underlined, see underlined, very self-sufficient, does it all herself. So let me just say that she has been less than excited about needing help of any kind from any of her daughters. This has been kind of a challenge. So I'm going to break it down into three buckets. First is housing. I think that parents, uh, they want to be home as long as they can. I really think that that's probably what most people want. 
Now, some people do want to downsize and they want to do that sooner because they don't want the hassle of it when they get older. But for a lot of people, stay in my home is like one of their top two or three things. My mom was a stay in my home kind of person. She wants to stay there independently as long as she possibly can. However, over the course of the last year or so, it has become too many jobs. She's got a yard, she's got a garden, she's got things that needs to be done. She lives in Massachusetts, sometimes it snows, who's going to shovel, who's going to take out the trash. So what's happened is over the course of the last couple of years, one thing has been very important. It's time to recognize the fact that we can't do it all by ourselves anymore. Simple. It's a matter of acceptance. She wants to be there. And in order to be there, we're going to need to get some help. So what do you do if you're trying to get help for your parent who doesn't maybe live in your home? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say to you is you take a look at what the basic needs are for them right now. So the first thing you do is you take a look at what the basic needs are for them right now. I found this great article on AARP that talked about the deciding what it was that you needed help with. So first, build a list. What do we really need help with? Does she need a cleaning person to come in? Does she need somebody to do grocery shopping? Is your parent driving? Do they need help with meal prep? Do they need somebody to take them to doctor's appointments? Or do they need like hardcore basic stuff in the house, like cleaning the house or household chores? Do they need personal help? So things like dressing, bathing, and hygiene. Usually in the beginning, it comes down to like the basics, right? Not, not dressing or bathing or hygiene or not medical things, but just stuff like somebody who's going to shovel the snow when it's going to snow. Somebody who's going to clean the house, maybe. Maybe it's just a housekeeper. Somebody that comes in and helps keep the house clean. My mother is still driving. And I wish for her the ability to drive for a long time. However, sometimes when she's not feeling up to it, she doesn't drive. And thank God she's able to make that decision. Some of you know that some of us will never make that decision. That our doctor will have to take our car keys away. Some people will be able to decide, I shouldn't drive today. I don't feel that good. Maybe I'll just stay home and only drive locally and drive during the day and drive places that they feel safe and don't go out if there's a lot of traffic. And they kind of self-monitor. Those people can drive for a long time. However, at some point, they probably won't be able to. And we've all heard those horror stories about the person that drove their car through his shop window because they thought they were hitting the brake instead of the gas. And every adult child fears that this will happen to their parents. And so at some point, most of us, unless we die prematurely, are going to have to give up the keys. As a child, what you have to decide is when and how you'll have that conversation with your parents. Usually what I say is that you should do it in coordination with what their doctor says, because these people can help you a lot. And then you can kind of make them the bad guy, which frankly, I think is easier. So can they drive? Should they drive? This is the first place where you're kind of taking over the lives of your parents and they're not happy about it. 
You determine what those things are that your parent needs in order to stay in their home. And then you need to figure out how often do we need to do them? How much money will we need to spend for it? And can we afford to do that? So that's stay in your home. As long as this list doesn't get to be too big. So like as an example, if you need somebody coming in to give you medical treatments every day, or you can't be alone in the house overnight, the cost of staying home becomes incredibly expensive. At that point, you might need to help your parents make a decision that it's unaffordable to get all the levels of treatment they want while staying at home. Given what I said earlier about the idea that everybody wants to stay at home as long as they can, you want to cross this bridge when they are hopefully ready. But more importantly, you want to think about their safety. They're either safe at home or they're not. If they're not safe at home, you get to be the bad guy. If they're safe at home and they just need some help figuring things out or they have the money to pay for care to come to their home, then you might need to help facilitate that and then get out of the way. Let them get what they need, pay for it, and don't grumble about it. But let's say your parents, or in this case, my mom, not capable of being in the home by herself, she would like to downsize. It's too much work now. Well, there are a few things we could do. We could, she could move in with one of her daughters. She's been, she's gotten offers but she's not really interested in moving away from her town where all her friends are. She could downsize. My mother's case, she's considering whether or not she looks at a senior apartment. You could look at things like assisted living or a senior community, a place where, you know, mom could move and be comfortable if she doesn't need a lot of healthcare. But if she needs a lot of healthcare, then you probably need to look at something like assisted living with a healthcare component so that what you need is right there as she needs more care. And the reason why I say she is frankly, 80% of women are going to die alone. This really is a problem about mom. Every once in a while, it's about dad, but most of the time it's about mom. Now, let's say you've convinced yourself and your mother and maybe your sisters that you're going to put an in-law apartment on your house. You're going to sell mom's house and use that money, build an in-law apartment, put mom in it, and mom's going to live with you guys. And even though that sounds very altruistic and like a really great idea, you need to make sure that everybody is on the same page about this. When it's done, at some point in time, your mother will pass and you will have increased the value of your home by the investment in the in-law apartment. How are the heirs of your mother's estate dealing with that? Are we all okay about this? Does this work for everybody or doesn't? One of the things I recommend is this idea of having a, a mini family meeting. Now, you should know my, in my family, it's like flying texts and quick phone calls between my sisters and I, while we just try to quarterback whatever it is my mother needs or wants or whatever's going on at the time. Are you covering this? Are you covering that? Can you do this? How about that? And so what we try to do is stay on the same page. It's not always the case because everybody's got perspective about what needs to be done, but you really want to think about trying to get along for the purposes of taking care of your parents 
because they actually got along with their spouse while they were taking care of you. So you kind of owe them. So housing, do I stay where I am? Do I build an in-law? Do I downsize? Do I move to assisted living? At some point, you have to cross that bridge with your parents. The next bridge, which is often connected, but definitely I'm going to cut it out. It's kind of separate is this idea of care, care, medical care. This isn't about somebody coming in and doing chores and doing grocery shopping and getting mom an Uber account. This is about medical care, visiting nurses, healthcare professionals. Should you bring somebody in? How often does that person need to come in? Do you need to move where care is available? Do you need to move in? I've seen it go all different ways. I've seen people leave their jobs to go live with their parents and take care of them for a while. Financially, if you can afford to do that, and that is the thing that makes the most sense to you and your family, great. A lot of people can't afford to just leave their job. Could I bring a care provider in to visit regularly? You know, it really depends. And there are a lot of benefits out there that maybe you're not even thinking about. I actually tripped across one that might benefit my mom that I thought was really interesting. I thought I would share. So my dad had been in the Korean War and he was injured in the Korean War. Now, he wasn't gravely injured, but he was disabled. Because my dad is gone, if my mom meets an income level, which means that she just doesn't have a lot of income and assets, and you know, there, a lot of people in their 80s don't have a lot of income and assets, that my mother could actually get VA healthcare benefits for her as the surviving spouse of an injured Korean War veteran. So if your parents are older and one of your parents served in the Korean War, you should know there's this special little carve out for the surviving spouse that can provide up to $2,700 a month of, of benefits at home or in a care facility, which could greatly help with the cost. But if you didn't know it, you'd never know to look for it. And trust me, they're not calling you up trying to remind you. In fact, there are a lot of different care programs, things available in the town that your parents live in, things associated with the senior center and the community that they're in. And you should be deciding that you're going to research that because within there, you can find things like, Rides, rides to things. You know, if your parents are no longer able to drive, there's usually a senior shuttle kind of service in almost every town where they pick people up and take them to doctor's appointments and drop them at Market Basket and pick them up and bring them home or whatever. And so that's one way for them to become more mobile. Then there are these offsetting care programs where you can get care to come into the home. And once you've figured some of that stuff out, Probably the most difficult conversation to have with your parents is the one about day-to-day -day money management. Why? Because they're not used to taking advice from you and they really are not excited about starting. Most people think about being able to handle their day-to-day -day finances as kind of a see I'm still good status thing. I got it, I'm in charge. It's not that they don't trust you, although some of them don't trust you. It just depends upon who your parents are. It's that they trust themselves more and that turning this over feels like giving up control, which what I'll say to you about aging is aging is the continual loss of control. It's not always bad, but it's never as much control as you used to have. And money is one of those things that really says, I'm in my own control. 
or I'm not. So there's really a couple of different ways to think about it. There's the big pot of paying the bills day to day, managing the expenses, doing the banking. I always find that parents give this up last because this is the thing that makes them feel connected. Now, I've got to tell you that online banking and the rest of it has really changed in the last 10 years. You know, if my mother has one more fight with the online banking system at Bank of America, she might hand it over because she's getting frustrated with all the things that she has to learn. And I know there are many of us out there at 56 that feel the same way. There's just too much to learn all the time. And they're having problems absorbing things that are new. And it's true for all of us. And as we age, it's true for everyone. This idea that that the fluid learning capacity goes way down. So taking on these new tasks, doing things we've never done before and trying to manage them and figure them out becomes more and more difficult. So if they still balance their checkbook on the back of their statement, what difference does it make to you? It's okay. However they do it, as long as they're comfortable doing it, that's okay. Now, when they start missing payments, this actually happened uh, in my own situation with my mom. She missed a payment for uh, real estate tax and they sent her a late notice and she was horrified. She runs right down to the town and pays it. They charged her 20 bucks, I think. Now, here's what I'll say to you. If it had been me, I would have gotten them to give her the 20 bucks back because I would have said, hey, she's never been late before. You could waive that. And they would have. But my mother felt so bad that she missed it. She went down to explain how this never happened to her before, how she's never done any, never missed a payment in her entire life and paid it right away and then paid the 20 bucks and then left and told me about it. Because she's used to being, you know, Johnny on the spot, right on time with everything. Now, she usually doesn't miss these things. So missing it was a big deal to her. But if it starts becoming more of a trend, missing more and more often, that it's probably a time for her to pass that over. But right now, she's large and in charge, and I just kind of audit for her, make sure everything's kind of done. Investments, even though it seems like it's the most sophisticated piece, they actually can pass this over sooner. However, you're going to want to make sure that you meet with their financial professional, with your parents, and learn exactly what everything is and what the plan for things are. That way, you know what they both know. Now, you may find things that you're not crazy about or things that you're not sure that they need this. And so if you want a second opinion, by all means, feel free to go get one or even a third. Depending upon how much your parents want to be involved, you want to tread a little lightly here. If your parents really like what they own and really like their financial person, while they're still making decisions, you probably just want to be available and in the room. Later, there may be a chance for you to make those changes, but you want to think about it like you're not taking over their money. You're aiding them in managing it. And so offering to do those appointments with them is a way to help them, not take over for them. Same is true for taxes. Now, a lot of people hate going to the accountant and getting their taxes done. A lot of people just mail it in. Now, what I'll say to you is that it doesn't really matter how you do it. If you're somebody who does the taxes online now, especially with the change in the law around the, the simplifying of the standard deduction, a lot of people will go to a simplified return. You could either take your parents' taxes with you when you get your taxes done, 
That's actually what I do. A lot of people do them themselves. If they do their own, they do their parents at the same time. That's totally fine as long as you're confident and your software is up to date and you feel comfortable doing that. Or if your parents are still seeing their own CPA, you might want to look at them after they've been filed. You know, a little check and balance. Does it really look like what you think it's supposed to look like? It's really easy to miss something from an accountant's perspective. If you don't bring them the documents, they don't know it. Now, a lot of you are going to say, listen, I've had the same accountant for 10 years. He knows all my stuff. And what I got to tell you is if you don't bring them a form, they're likely not looking for it. It's actually not their job. Their job is not necessarily to do your document collection. Their job is to produce your taxes based on the documents you provide. If your mother forgets to put a document in the little tax file, like an investment statement 1099, the accountant is likely not to look for it. It doesn't exist. And you might say, hey, they had investments for all these years. How come you didn't pick it up? And they'll be really nice about it. But really what they're saying is not my job. My job is to generate the tax return based on the documents you provided. As we all get older, we all forget more. So what you want to think about is in the beginning, you want to be of service. You want to help. You want to review. You want to just check in. Later on, when they're not as capable, you want to offer to take over. Maybe they're not ready, but you want to throw it out there. What I always say to my mom is, you know, when you're ready to not do this anymore, just let me know. I'm happy to help. Now, right now, she's still doing it herself, and I'm helping her. Someday, she'll probably pass it over, but if she never does, I'm never going to make her because I think that that's wrong. Now, unless, you know, she's given her money away to people that are knocking at the door and asking for checks to charities, or I'm worried that, you know, somebody's getting close to her and trying to get her assets. But again, if she's doing a good job and it's just a little slower than it was before, as long as she still feels in charge, I want her to feel in charge. In fact, I don't really want to take over her life because she doesn't take over mine. So I'll talk a little bit about managing these things with others. And by this, I mean your brothers and sisters, people with the best intentions about how they think mom needs help. You should know you will disagree. Perhaps a lot. There are some high, strong, sensitive individuals out there. If I'm trying to work with a family, and I've had some of these uh, experiences in my career where I've had, you know, all the children and the parents and the children are kind of doing back and forth about what they think is the right thing. I try to get them to, to communicate with each other through family meetings. I try to encourage that person who the parent has picked, usually the power of attorney or the healthcare power of attorney, that person that the parent relies on the most to try to set the rhythm about keeping this in alignment with what mom wants and not what each one of them want. And try not to take it too personally. And it's going to get personal. You are going to hang up the phone with a sibling and go, what the blah, blah, blah. But what you got to remember is this is really about your mother. It's really not about either one of you. As I'm famous for saying, you know, it can't always be about you. So you want to think about how we work together. You might want to carve the work up 
So somebody that's really, so as an example, I have a sister who's really local. There are a lot of things that she can do that I can't do from New Hampshire. There are certain things that I do for my mother that she doesn't really want other people to do. And then there's my sister, Colleen, who does even different things. So we try to split the work up so that the person who's most appropriate kind of runs that realm. I'm a big believer in having the healthcare proxy and the durable power of attorney, not necessarily the same person. And when we talk about estate planning in a minute, I'm going to explain to you why. But the idea that everybody has a certain amount of jobs, but that really you have to think about this, that everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. Now, with that said, will every child kick in the same? I guess if you guys are the Waltons, it could be true. And for those of you too young to remember the Waltons, they were the most well-adjusted, happy family to ever live in America, where everybody was nice to everyone else all the time. So I don't know about your family, but it's not really the Thomases. We like to get in there. We're a little scrappy. So the first thing you need to do is what you believe is the right thing for you to do to help your parents, regardless of what your brothers or sisters are doing. There's going to be somebody that's probably not going to carry their weight. And really, that shouldn't change what it is you do. You're doing what you know is the right thing to do. And I always say that if I'm doing the next right thing, I'm okay, no matter what anybody else is doing. I just try to do the next right thing. When you're sitting in that family meeting, I think once your parents' health really starts to change and they need more support, you probably should have a family call or a meeting on a regular basis. So it doesn't always become like about an explosion. So whether it's once a month or once a quarter or once a week, you want to think about touching bases. What are you doing? What am I doing? Okay, we're good, blah, blah, blah. Because that way for mom, it doesn't feel as overwhelming. And try not to be petty with each other. Because when you're petty and you drag mom into it, you actually make things worse. So don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about estate planning where it pertains to your parents. And it's important here to know that no matter what they have done in their estate, whether you like it or not, if they are not competent, you are not capable of changing it. If your parents are competent, I actually do this every couple of years with just about all my clients. I take a look at their estate planning documents and I say, does this still reflect what you think you want? It's not that complicated. Does it still reflect what you think you want? And if the answer is yes, then you put them in a nice, safe place. If the answer is no, then you schedule an appointment with an estate planning attorney to change the documents. What kinds of things might change? Well, your kids may have kids. Your old will might talk about if something happens to your brother, his share goes to the sisters. And the new will might say if something happens to your brother, his share goes to his kids and not his sisters. It's a really clear example that would might require a change if there are grandchildren in the picture. The other thing is you're going to have several supporting documents beyond a will. So you might have a trust, which allows you to structure how the money gets paid out. It allows you to skip the probate process and it allows you to limit exposure from outsiders to heirs of your estate. 
So as an example, my 18-year-old nephew might not be able to get all the money in a lump sum so he can go out and buy a Porsche. My niece, who's married to a guy that I'm not that crazy about, won't be able to get the money from her if she inherits it and he tries to get it from her in a divorce settlement. These are the kinds of things that I could use a trust to help protect. So if I just have a will and I have some money that's really going to be passed down to my children and I want to give them as much creditor protection and control as possible, then I might want to consider doing a trust. I also might want to consider putting my house in a life estate trust. This allows me the right to live there for the rest of my life, but actually considers the transfer of my home to my children or whoever, but usually your children, so that eventually that home can be considered not an asset that could be used for long-term care. People do it all the time. There are a lot of pitfalls around when and how. You have to do it many years in advance of needing to do it. So if your parents are 70 and not sick, great idea. Your parents are 85 and they're sick, too late. You need to be able to get this asset out of their estate long before. And a lot of people, frankly, aren't willing to give up control of their assets while they're still well enough. And seeing as we've made this show more about older parents versus just old parents, what I would say is that idea is probably too late. Also, gifting assets from mom to the kids may or may not be an idea, depending upon how much money they have, how much they'll need for themselves, and how far away they are from needing complete care. And by complete care, I mean care in a care facility, like a nursing home. What you don't want to do is run around and try to hide the money and move things around without understanding what it is you're doing and how it might affect mom. You really want to, I think, talk to an elder care planner and an elder care lawyer about what the options are, what you can really do, and how safely you can help her. You don't want to just jump in there and say, well, we need to make sure we take care of this money because that's not reasonable. It's really actually your parents' money. And it's important to structure it in a way that works for them. And remember when the day's done, you know how I said it's their money? It's because it's actually their money. It's their money until they're done with it. And you want to respect that. You don't want to be thinking about how it is you're going to use this money for your own plan. It's really funny because in the financial planning business, periodically people will say to me, well, you know, I know I've got an inheritance coming and that's probably going to be about X. And I say, do you want me to consider that in the financial plan or do you want me to leave that out? And they go, I don't know. What do you think about it? And I always say, I think you leave it out because you never know what could happen between now and when you might ultimately receive that money. And if you're counting on it and mom lives in an expensive end of her life that goes on for many more years than you thought, it could be significantly less than you planned. And you want to just make sure that you're not frying eggs you don't own yet. You want to be smart about that. In closing, even though there are these four places where you might help your parents with money, you know, whether it's about housing or it's about care, it's about money management or it's about estate planning, remember that helping out isn't taking over. And getting old is an undignified process. And don't, don't make it worse. Until we talk again. 
Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.